You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet. Why is that so loud? Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I think I might have just, it just dawned on me. It just did. I've got a couple different USB spots on the back of this bad boy. And what I was told is one of these is like some kind of cool audio thing. And yesterday it was super quiet. And I was like, well, yeah, because I'm down in like the 40s. But I put it down in the 40s because it's so flipping loud. And it was weird. Like, why is it so loud? When it's so low, because I used to keep it up in like the 60s or what, I don't know. So I came, you know, I had the headset upstairs, brought it downstairs, plugged it in, and it's friggin' loud at 50, as in 0.5 recording volume. I'm sure none of this is interesting, but I'm just explaining, and I'm also excited because I just figured it out. Not not excited, because it's annoying, and I have no idea what's better. But anyways, if I don't move the dumb headset... I should be able to just set the volume where it needs to be. I should probably turn it down, although my voice is such that I don't know how much yelling I'm going to be able to do. But I've literally been pacing back and forth upstairs thinking about a couple things. <laughs> I'm not happy. i got to turn it down a little bit because my voice goes up even slightly and this thing's cracking. It's annoying. Anywho, how you guys doing? Packer day, Sunday, game day. Sorry I sound like a prepubescent boy. Sickness is still holding on there a little bit. This is, I might just move that, because that's annoying. I got this thing turned down so low, and it's still getting clipped. Anyways, today is officially the day. I am very sorry to report I do not have a uh, Boom Roasted segment today. It just dawned on me that I needed to do that, and I don't have the uh, creativity or the time to uh, to do it kind of on the spot here. So I guess we're going to do without, but, you know, it's the Saints. I mean, they're, they're pretty good, and I'm, I'm going to make fun of them in the episode anyways. Because I, I did give a half-hearted attempt at trying to find, like, five big slams. And um, the other hard part about doing it, especially for somebody like me who's a little bit more long-winded, is how do you make it concise so that it fits into a boom-roasted? Because I always want to drag it out and, like, explain it. Can't do that. It's a punchline. you got to just you gotta nail it and then move on. So, anyways, i got to start setting reminders on my phone or something. Friday afternoon, get started on your boom-roasted segment. But, um... I do want to briefly remind you, I am still planning on doing the uh, live stream on Patreon prior to the game. I don't know exactly what time that's going to be. I'm not saying it's going to be right before the game. In fact, it probably won't be because I'm going to be tired and I'm going to be crabby and I want to get all the the good work while I'm in a good mood out of the way. Not like when the family's in full chaos mode and we got to get dinner figured out and I'm trying to cook my steak. So we'll probably actually be shooting around the noonish time, but I'll, I'll put something on Facebook before I plan on coming down and, and messing with that. Speaking of Facebook, make sure you go like Cheese and Packers, the Facebook page. Very pleased with the growth for that so far. I will also say, maybe calling an audible on that as well as far as the Iron Jock giveaways, because as of right now, I think we have like three people that submitted anything. And as much as it would be easy to just be like, all right, I guess you guys are it and you all got a one in three chance, that seems a little bit crazy. So I'm going to extend that one out, and what I think I'm going to do, because we got such a huge response for the Iron Jock player of the game, we're going to stick with two for that, and then we're going to extend this one out a little bit as far as uh, the other Iron Jock giveaway in which you submit to me a picture, either of your family or 
some kind of a meme, something about the Saints. I don't care. I post it on the page. You find it, promote the heck out of it. The one that gets the most interaction gets a free Iron Jock hoodie. Again, I, I just, I can't give one away when three people submitted it. That makes me feel like an idiot. So, sorry to those three who really want this closed immediately before there's any real competition. But uh, I can't, I can't do that. So if there's any confusion as to what it is I want you to do, just reach out. But again, it's fairly straightforward. Send me anything in any way that you can that you think will be very popular with Packer fans and get a really positive reaction. If you get a lot of likes and hearts and all this other stuff, laughy faces, because it's a funny meme, whatever, you win a hoodie. Pretty straightforward. Just send me anything. And then share it like crazy. All right. Uh, First and foremost, I need to give a shout out to Mr. Kevin Rogers. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon. Also, for all the extra support that you're trying to provide, I really do appreciate that. One of the really, I think some of the best ways people have helped are ways that I can't tell you how to help. Right? I, there are certain things I know, right? like money or uh, leaving a five-star iTunes review. But some of you guys just have a lot of strengths or resources that I don't know anything about. You know about computers, whatever. And I've had some people reach out and offer things that I never even considered could be helpful. And um, Kevin is one of those people. And hopefully something positive will come out of it. But either way, just just the fact of people thinking about me and, and how they could possibly help out is very much appreciated. That is by far my favorite part of this entire podcast. Although it's definitely not the biggest podcast, I guarantee this is the most interactive podcast. And I don't just mean me interacting with you. I'll never understand the people that have podcasts and want to put themselves in some kind of an ivory tower like where they're untouchable. Like that, that defeats half the purpose of what makes this whole podcasting thing awesome. I have my own like Packers community. Why would you not want that? I don't understand. But anyways, I really do appreciate all of that. The Packernet Podcast Facebook group is sort of the embodiment of that. Make sure you are a part of that. There's a lot of people in there, so there's always going to be some stuff that you maybe don't like. That's what happens when anytime you get a thousand people in a room together. But for the most part, as far as social media groups go, Facebook groups, it's pretty solid. So make sure you're a part of that as well. And again, thanks to all of you in any and every way that you've reached out and tried to help. Um, I want to start by answering a question from Luke Holm. And by answering a question, what I mean is um, not answering and then using that as a segue for something else. Um Luke says, I heard on another podcast that A.J. Dillon was the top-rated Wonderlick running back test taker at the 2020 draft. Can't find the info. Um, Relying on you, are we dealing with a super genius? I looked at a couple different places where I know they keep track of Wonderlick scores. Um, And I'm pretty sure the Wonderlick scores we have are leaked Wonderlick scores because I don't think they're public anywhere. I didn't see it, so I don't really know. He then goes on to say, do you put stock in these tests? Um, I talked about this before, and i got to kind of dig into my memory to remember what I determined. (sighs) I I think it probably depends on um, the position, but also I tend to think there's sort of an upper and lower limit, and this is probably true with a lot of things. It's the same with speed. It's the same with, you know, whatever. If you think about it in terms of the 40 time, we all put too much stock in the 40 time in general. But generally, there's two important things to remember with the 40 time. There's such a thing as too slow, and then there's such a thing as blazing fast. There's a certain point at which, and we'll call it 4-6, you kind of look at a guy, and if he can't hit the 4-6 mark, in other words, if he's slower than that, you just say, you know what, I think he might be too slow. I don't know if we can use him. Then you've got another metric, and let's say it's like a sub 4-4, 
where you're really, really fast. In other words, we're looking at wide receivers to be wide receivers. I'm looking for a guy that's really talented at being a wide receiver, and then we use the 40 time to kind of adjust things. In other words, if you're a really good wide receiver and you run a 4-7, I just took you off the board. If you're a really good wide receiver and you run a 4-2-9, now you are somebody that we really absolutely must have. I think it's kind of similar with Wonderlick where, for the most part, it doesn't matter, but if you're really, really high, especially for a quarterback, that's super important. Not in terms of we won't take you unless you're super high, but the best quarterbacks all have really powerful minds. And so if you have that attribute, that really is going to help me kind of solidify, okay, we want to take a swing at this guy. If you, like Luke pointed out, uh, Jordan Love had a 27, which is pretty average, that doesn't really change much for me. Because I think the ultimately the most important thing, right, you might get a bump if you go above the, the high range, but ultimately we take who we want to take. The problem is the only thing we want to make sure is that you don't fall below the threshold. And I think, although teams would never admit it, I think a lot of teams do have a, a low threshold. I don't know what that is, right? A 20, 15, 10. If you fall below that, it's like, look, I can't, we can't touch this. Can't say that publicly, and I'm sure somebody will take him somewhere. Um, but I even went back and looked at it and looked at the players who had really low Wonderlick scores and just kind of laid it out there. There definitely seems to be somewhat of a correlation. I think there was one quarterback who had a really low Wonderlick score that was somewhat decent. And again, it's not that if you have a really high Wonderlick score, you're going to be very good. But it is that if you have a really low Wonderlick score, it's going to be real tough for you to be a quality quarterback in the NFL because it's a test for cognitive abilities, and you have to be really smart to be a quarterback. It's not, I'm not being unfair, it's common sense. Not, again, it's not a direct correlation. A, you know, 20 Wonderlick is going to be worse than a 30 Wonderlick. That's not true. But there is a point at which it's so low that we have to worry about that hindering you. Again, same with 40 times. Does it really make that big of a difference if you run a 4-4-5 or a 4-5-5? No, I don't think it does. Devontae's like a 4-5-something. Who cares? Michael Thomas is in the 4-5s. You want to take a 4-3-5 guy over Michael Thomas or, or Devontae Adams? Of course you don't. But again, if Devontae was running a 4-7-5, I think you get to the point at which it becomes a hindrance. A point at which you just can't really do what you need to do. At the very least, I don't see him beating a lot of guys deep. Because even if you're beating guys off the line because you're super agile, right, quick twitch and all that stuff, the point is, even if you got the guy beat, he's going to catch up to you way too fast. So that's that's my thought on Wonderlick. In general, I think almost never does it come into play or do teams really care about it. But again, I think the upper and lower limits are when it becomes interesting, right? If, if, if you score really high on the Wonderlick, it's like, ooh, wow. It's kind of like that guy, again, the guy that runs like a 4-3-2. Like, oh, wait a minute, what? Let's take a look at this guy again. But it's not a deciding factor thing. Because, same with Wonderlick and Fast 40 times, lots of people are in that upper limit that just are trash. It's a component you're really good at. It's not the whole package. Let me let me try it one other way, even though I've, I, 100% of you people already understand what I'm saying. But I like the analogy, so I'm going with it. Think about a strongman competition. The Wonderlick would be, or 40 time pick, either one, like really strong legs. And, you know, it's it would be like... If you're trying to figure out if this person would be a good strongman, you're, you're trying to bet on a horse in the strongman competition. And this particular guy can squat, you know, I don't know, 800 pounds or whatever. I have no idea. And you're thinking, all right, that's sufficient. Or let's say he can squat 1,000 pounds, which is pretty close to the world record. You know his legs are more than strong enough. 
In fact, he's probably got the strongest legs at the entire strongman competition. But that doesn't give you the whole story. It doesn't tell you about his conditioning, which you do need some conditioning to be able to do this. A lot of it is endurance. It doesn't tell you about his core strength, his arm strength, his shoulder strength, his back strength. It doesn't tell you any of that. But it's really intriguing if he can squat 1,000 pounds, right? What if the guy can squat 300 pounds? He's done. He's not in the competition. The answer is no. That's what we're talking about with Wonderlick or 40 time or the rest of this stuff. Um, now, in particular about A.J. Dillon, because as I was going through just Google searching, um, trying to find some other sites that might possibly have it, uh, I came across a scouting report on A.J. Dillon. And it got me excited because it was a very positive scouting report. And it really got me thinking. And it, and it got me excited because it basically explained the exact same process I went through, but it was from an unbiased person. He's a somebody in the scouting community, not a Packers fan. And he basically laid out my exact um, recollection of how this whole thing went out. And also probably gives a picture into why a lot of people put A.J. Dillon as somebody that we shouldn't be drafting early and why they didn't give up on that, but why he did and started saying, this guy is really, really good and needs to go early. One of the... Um, one of the scouting industries out there is called College Football Metrics. I don't know everything there is to know about them, but I know that they're really highly touted. They put out big boards that generally do very well, and I, I, I have a hard time finding them sometimes, but they're out there. But uh, this is R.C. Fisher at FantasyFootballMetrics.com who wrote up this scouting report. And it's funny because he's he's going through his process, and he basically did exactly what I did. He said, when I was scouting players, and you do this a lot, I think everybody does, even the guys that quote-unquote grind the tape. Um, if you look at what's on NFL Draft, Mark Jarvis, he's, he's I'm really actually happy for him because when he started out, he was basically just a laughing stock. People pointed at him as the guy that, you know, don't be this guy because he just had quote-unquote terrible takes on guys. But he's really improved his reputation as being one of the hardest-working guys in the draft community. The guy does nothing but quote-unquote grind the tape, and I keep saying that because I don't want to use that term because I think it's kind of stupid. Not st- it's just overused, and I don't want to sound like a... whatever. But anyways, even he, I think, watches about two games, two, maybe three per prospect, and then moves on, writes out a full report on that. And the fact of the matter is, if you think about it, if you think how long... Oh, I'm breaking my phone. If you think about how long it takes to do one one guy thoroughly in one game, every single snap, probably rewatching each play several times to get a full breakdown, and you've got about five or six criteria you're trying to grade on each play times two two games times you know a thousand prospects i mean the, you 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 can't sleep and so the the point is let me just start with what rc said in his first paragraph here he says okay i missed it my preview scouting was way off initially i thought aj dillon was a shoulder shrug running back prospect a really big uh, guy with likely four six speed who's just going to be sh- short yardage guy or the power part of a duo tandem backfield in the NFL. More potential meh than potential starter in the next level. I was wrong. And what he goes on to say is, once once the combine came down and he put up numbers that we've basically hardly ever seen before, which, let me elaborate on that, he says, um, A.J. Dillon at 247 pounds ran a 4.5340 time with a 41-inch vertical. Just those two data points alone are freak city at that side. You know how many running back prospects have run a sub-4.540 time and 240 pounds pre-draft in the last decade? He said, I have five guys. He says, how many of those guys also posted a 40-plus vertical? He says, just A.J. Dillon. That's it. 
So in other words, that's that's the number. So he, he was blown away, and he says, so I said maybe I missed something. I should probably go back. And his thought process was a lot of guys, they trust their eyes as far as the tape is concerned. A lot of these scout guys, and again, remember, they're not watching every single game of these guys. It's not humanly possible to do that. That's why actual pro staffs have regional scouts. It's not possible to have one person watch every prospect thoroughly. And even these regional scouts, you know that they're missing stuff. And so he said, I should probably go back and watch and see if I miss something, whereas a lot of guys will look at that and say, A.J. Dillon is what I said he was when I watched him. He's just a little bit faster, but he's still just a plotter that plows into defensive lines. And part of the reason I like that is because that's exactly what I did, and I'm trying to think, am I just being biased? I didn't like him, and then I watched him more thoroughly after the Packers took him, and I liked him. Same with Jordan Love. I didn't like him until I watched him more thoroughly. Josiah, I didn't like him until I watched him more thoroughly. Sounds like I'm just being a biased Packer fan. Although, I went back and watched Kamal Martin, didn't see anything I liked. I've said that about Ty Summers. I said that about pretty much every linebacker we've drafted. Um, Oren Burks, didn't like him. There's a lot of guys I went back and watched and just didn't get it. Kevin King, I went back and watched, didn't like him. So I don't necessarily know how much was my bias compared to just starting to understand because I watched one or two games and went eh, and moved on because I didn't think or know that the Packers are going to draft the guy. Same with Jordan Love. I watched one game. It was his worst game ever in which he threw like five picks and I said, yeah, this guy's trash. But he said that most of the draft community maybe just gave him a slight bump after he ran his quick 40 time because their prospect, their their thought process is essentially an arrogant one that said, I did the tape study and I'm not going to be swayed by some stupid 40 time. Which is fair if you're going to be a tape grinder and going to be a purist. That's fair because 40 time is less important. But you also have to recognize how much time did you actually put in? Maybe you missed something. And that's exactly what RC says here. He says, you know what? I need to go back and watch this again because I must have missed something. He said, on average... A.J. Dillon was ranked 11.8 on the running back big boards. He says that's absurd. There are not 11 running backs in the draft better suited for the NFL than A.J. Dillon. That's ridiculous. He said, I re-looked at the tape, watched a few more games, and added in his combine data to our computer models, and he's risen into our top five running back prospects, likely going to be our number two behind Jonathan Taylor. Honestly, the more I look at Dillon, I don't think it's impossible that he'll be the best running back from this class in the long run. He says, now do I have your attention? He says, sure, it's easy to go gaga over a combine number. He says, I'm guilty of just that. He says, you know why I'm guilty? Because we should be. That was one of the most amazing sets of measurables considering his size that any of us has seen from the NFL combine. People should be freaking out about the excitement. Scouts should be going back, relook, reconsider, but the mainstream analysts and most scouts don't believe in analytics or the combine all that much unless it supports their initial feeling. So Dylan has barely budged in their draft ranking. The reason I'm going through this, aside from just being excited after I read this, is the fact that a lot of Packer fans still believe what the draft gurus have been telling you. We took uh, the wrong quarterback way too early. We took A.J. Dillon way too early. We took DeGuara way too early. And this guy's telling you, look, the scouting community is getting it wrong. And it's easy to get wrong on a guy like Dillon. Nobody knew he was going to run this fast because we didn't know because he never ran outside of a stacked box. He never had anywhere to run. So the guy just ran into brick walls for however many years he was at Boston College. Everybody looked at him and said, well, this guy sucks. He gets three yards and that's it. I'm writing it as such because I watched two games in which he went three yards and went down. Here's my report. I'm turning it in. He runs a faster forward than I expected. I go, okay, he's a little faster, but it doesn't matter because he still sucks. And that's it. 
He goes on to say, Dylan is still way off in the consensus ranking from the highly lauded Swift Acres duo, which is a joke. A.J. Dillon is a freak like Derrick Henry, only arguably more freakish than Henry. He goes on to compare to those two guys. He says, number one, much faster feet with breakaway-ish speed in many games. He's much more shifty than I realize. Again, remember, this isn't just a guy who saw a fast 40 time, got excited, and went back trying to find stuff. This is a guy who didn't put in the work early, which is which is understandable because nobody does. You don't put in every single game. You watch one, maybe two games, you write a report. Then when you see this, you go back and you really start to put in more and more and more games and you start to see more stuff. More shifty than I realized. I just spent extended time studying DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, then Dylan one right after another. I expected Akers to also surprise me due to his better combine. He said I was I, I rewatched because he had a great combine. I was expecting it to happen. It didn't happen. I didn't see it. In other words, exactly what I'm saying. Cam Akers put up better numbers than expected too, so he went back to see like, okay, let's let's go. Let's see the the let's see it on tape. He said it's not there. So in this case, write it off. But with Dylan, oh my goodness, it was sitting here the whole time. We missed it. He says, Dylan, however, a totally different vibe. I, vibe. I saw the light. Comparing him to Swift or Akers and, and have Dylan rated lower is a joke. Dylan has much quick, much quick feet. I'm guessing quicker feet. And that's a wow at that size. Swift and Akers don't belong in the same conversation with Dylan in my viewing. But I'll probably be the only analyst who has Dylan ranked higher than both of them. He has much better east-west escape ability compared to Swift and Akers. He shows more acceleration or just as good as Swift and way better than Akers. They're all tough runners, but Dylan really moves a pile. Dylan has just as good, if not better, vision running to the holes between tackles than Swift and way better than Akers. To me, Dylan is better or equal in every way as a runner compared to Swift and Akers, but when you factor Dylan is doing the work 30 pounds heavier than Swift and Akers, it's no contest who's better at the next level. Anyways, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but... It's just, it, it was exciting to me, and, it, and, it, and it's a broader, it really speaks to a broader thought process and where my head is at right now. Everybody is just in trash the Packers mode. Nothing they can do is right, and it doesn't make any sense. And too many Packer fans fall into this exact same trap. Because we believe, we, we, we on one side call all these guys idiots, but at the exact same time we get mad at the Packers because we believe them. Rather than trusting the Green Bay Packers, and I don't get it. In a lot of ways, this game against the Saints, as much as it really shouldn't matter, it's about pride. The Green Bay Packers won 13 games last year and got called frauds. They hired a coach and everybody laughed at them. Matt LaFleur is garbage. And a lot of the reason we're not getting any respect is because so many people went so hard into trashing every aspect of this team that they don't want to turn around and give respect because it makes them look stupid. Nobody can give Matt LaFleur credit. They all said it was a terrible hire. Everybody said it was dumb. It's just because he's, he's, he's over there cleaning Sean McVay's boots. He gets hired for that reason. And the fact that he's the second winningest coach in NFL history doesn't matter to anybody. The fact that he goes 13-3 and in his first season and is now 2-0 and as we just start to see this offense take hold and it's the number one offense in the NFL while we have Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs in the NFL right now. We have Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL right now. It's the Green Bay Packers that have the best offense and nobody wants to say it 
because we've they've spent the last three, four, five years trashing Aaron Rodgers as a bum, saying Matt Lafleur is a terrible hire, that Ted Thompson's a dummy that ruined this team, that Brian Gutekunst is an absolute idiot that should have went out and got wide receivers, and he's over here drafting guys like Jair. He drafts a quarterback. This guy's a complete moron. They don't know what they're doing. A.J. Dillon's a garbage running back. Josiah DeGuara's a terrible pick. And what have we seen? This is the best young coach to be hired so far ever. We'll see how that pans out. This is the best offense in football. Aaron Rodgers is is playing the best ball he has in 10 years. Josiah DeGuara is, without hardly ever playing, proving to be the one of the better weapons we have outside of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. In one game, he's coming up as a great blocker and receiver, which is a pivotal part of what this Matt LaFleur offense is going to look like. A.J. Dillon, who's supposed to be a bum, is graded out as the best rookie running back in football. In fact, one of the best running backs in football. And he's barely seen the ball yet, only because he's behind two really talented, competent running backs who are not just good runners, but also good blockers and receivers, and it becomes a trust factor. But make no mistake, there is an absolute beast waiting to be released in A.J. Dillon. And every single time the Packers take the field, all the NFL analysts, all these brilliant geniuses are bracing with just seething anger for the inevitable, which is that they're going to be proven to be stupid. And they make no mistake about it. You're hearing half of them pick the Packers and, oh, yeah, I think the Packers have got this one. They want so badly, so desperately for for the Saints to win this game. They want this thing to fall apart so badly because they've been predicting it. They predicted the Packers would fall apart this year because they were frauds last year. Aaron Rodgers is washed. The defense is terrible. They can't stop the run. They can't do anything. They need the Packers to lose. They need this team to fall apart. And I promise you, if it happens, they are going to swarm to their microphones, to their television cameras. And say, see, the collapse is here. It was imminent. It was bound to happen thing is Aaron Rodgers knows that Matt LaFleur knows that you want to know why Aaron why Matt LaFleur is going for two points when you're up by 20 you want to know why he didn't put in AJ Dillon and uh, Tim Boyle until the very last drive when I thought they should have done it at least one drive earlier because he wants to absolutely embarrass everybody you think Matt LaFleur doesn't have a chip on his shoulder nobody's talking about that Aaron Rodgers is in some kind of zen hippie mode out there somewhere just living his best life I'm loving it by the way I'll, I'll make fun of it calling him a hippie, but I I couldn't be happier for him. I've never seen the man happier in his life, and as long as he keeps playing like he's playing, whatever he's doing, whatever 90s music he's listening to, whatever Pedialyte substances and everything else he's putting into his body, whatever kind of zen meditation he's doing out there on some mountain in in Green Bay, you know that mountain, just keep doing it. But Matt LaFleur, he's a young gun. And he gets no respect, he gets no love, his team is getting trashed, his quarterback's getting trashed, he's getting trashed, he hasn't once been given any credit. He wants to annihilate people. He wants to embarrass people, and he is! Did you know that this was the 10th best start to the season in NFL history? The last time a team started with with more points than the Packers have had in the first two weeks was the New Orleans Saints in 2009. The Saints beat the Lions 45-27 and then Philly 28-22. The first loss in the season was week 15. They went 13-3. and They won the Super Bowl that year. It's weird, right? The team before them to do it was the Indianapolis Colts in 2001. This is something that happens once every 10 years. 
Actually, that's not even true because the last time it happened before that was the Dallas Cowboys in 1971. This start has happened three times in my lifetime. 2001 Colts, 2009 Saints, 2020 Packers. Ten times in NFL history. Packers getting any credit? No, man. Have you seen Pat Mahomes? Oh, my goodness. Have you seen Lamar Jackson? Oh, my goodness. Have you seen Russell Wilson, this offense? They're starting to throw more now, did you know? How about those Bears? 2-0, everybody. Look out. They beat the Lions and the Giants. I, I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's just sitting there. There's so much history being made right in front of our eyes. I mean, just, just Aaron Jones last week. He ran for 168 yards. He had two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. You know how many people have ever done that? Just, just you know, ever? 18. Only two people currently in the NFL have ever done that. Christian McCaffrey and Le'Veon Bell, that's it. Anybody care? No. Anybody want to put Aaron Jones in the same category as even Dalvin Cook? We got laughed at. And, th- and that's, listen, Aaron Rodgers said it already when, when they were on uh, Pat McAfee's show. Like, oh man, this Aaron Jones kid is really looking impressive. And he's like, dude, he's always done this. He's done this since day one. And then prior to this season, when Packer fans like me and like you try to say Aaron Jones is legit and better than Dalvin Cook, everybody laughed. You Packer fans are delusional. You're morons. You think Aaron Jones is better than Dalvin Cook? Oh, 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 my goodness, you're so stupid. You're so stupid. And guess what? If I say today, I'm going to be on Fan to Fan Network, because Mr. Bozorowski is not going to be uh, available to uh, represent the Packers today, so be sure to check that out, Fan to Fan Network. Bunch of, you know, YouTuber, podcaster guys, each representing their team in the network, going at it. On Sunday prior to the games, I'm going to be representing the Packers. Somebody else is going to be representing the Saints. And I promise you, when I declare that Aaron Jones is better than Alvin Kamara, there's going to be moans and groans. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Let me just read off some of the names that have done that. The the stat that I have uh, put up. Just to give you the, the idea of the kind of company Aaron Jones is in for putting up 168 yards, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. Christian McCaffrey, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Johnson, LaDamian, LaDainian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes again, Marshall Falk, Fred Taylor, Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson. Are you getting the idea? It's basically a list of the best running backs of all time. I'm not even saying we should be putting Aaron Jones in the, in the category of best running back of all time. I'm not. What I'm saying is it's so stupid, the level of disrespect. Devontae, I mean, he, look, he's, he's top 10. He's good. But, I mean, you know, he's not Michael Thomas. He's not Julio. He's not, a, you know, come on. Come on, Packer fans. You guys know. Look, Aaron Rodgers, he was good in, like, you know, when I was four, says the 18-year-old CBS analytics dork but i mean come on he can't do it anymore so again this is this is a respect thing 604 yards and six touchdowns from aaron Rodgers. nobody cares because russell wilson has 610 and nine touchdowns i'm not dogging wilson wilson has been under respected for a long time he's finally getting the respect he deserves he's been dragging that team forever people are now just starting to wake up good for russell he's a freak it's not a it's it's not even a matter of 
I want everyone to acknowledge the Packers are the best in the NFL. I don't care about that. Stop saying the Packers suck. I don't know. I'll believe it when they beat a team that isn't terrible. <laughs> okay, we'll see. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't believe you. I think if the Packers beat the Saints, the narrative coming out, because it helps you to not feel dumb, is, wow, Breeze really doesn't have it anymore. Wow, they really got hurt not having Michael Thomas. Packers are lucky Michael Thomas wasn't playing. Boy, oh boy. If this was a 2019 Breeze with Michael Thomas, that Packers team that's clearly a bunch of frauds wouldn't have had a chance. Back in my day, take a team like the Packers out behind the woodshed, work them over a little bit. I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, again, 13-3 and three didn't cut it. This, this two-week start didn't cut it. They're already grooming an excuse with Drew Brees. I don't know what it's going to take. The only thing I can think is a Super Bowl, but I, you know, that's crazy to me. And I don't know if that would even do it. It's just, it's, it's just weird. It, it, and it's because it didn't used to be this way. It used to be the opposite. The Packers got all the credit in the world. They, they were just lauded over. Everyone fawned over the Packers constantly. And this team, that is still quarterback by Aaron Rodgers, still has Devontae Adams, has one of the better defenses we've seen the Packers have in a while, although it's, it's off to a rough start. The pieces are better than any defense I can remember since the last time we won the Super Bowl. Clearly the best running back we've had, and, and clearly, clearly, clearly the best running back room we've ever had. All the pieces are there. And yet the Saints are the favorite. And all we hear from everybody is, eh, I don't know, we'll see. Well, if they can, you know, beat a team that isn't terrible. Which is who? Either beat the Ravens or you suck? Is that what? Is that the game we're playing right now? And again, most of these guys are picking the Packers, and that's great. People are starting to come around, but most of the time it's just that they're not buying the Saints. Nobody's all in on the Packers, except maybe Pete Prisco. Good on him, by the way. And good for him for... for shoving that in everybody's face because that guy went to bat for the Packers and got mocked and ridiculed this guy thinks the Packers are one of the best teams in football oh my goodness he doesn't know that Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers and they're clearly going to win a Super Bowl now what an idiot the other the other interesting thing and and to a degree I understand it but it's just funny that you you look at okay well they haven't really faced a test yet but the Saints are the test right they haven't faced a good defense yet wait a minute I thought the Saints weren't a good defense Right? I mean, we were told going into the Vikings game that the Minnesota Vikings had one of the best defenses in the NFL. I looked at it and said, no, they don't, but whatever. Clearly, they didn't. Now that we've seen it, everyone's like, oh, well, the Packers don't get any credit because the turns out the Vikings don't have a good defense. Nobody could have seen that coming, but somehow they don't. It's really weird. They should, based on all our brilliant brains and, you know, Yannick and, you know, a couple guys, they should have this elite deep, but, but for whatever reason, they don't. Probably Zimmer's fault. I don't know. It's not that it was intuitive that we should have been able to figure it out. It's it's that Zimmer did something wrong. I don't know. But now that we know they were, they're bad, we have to deduct points from the Packers. But the Saints have a really good defense, and we know that because in 2019, they were really good, despite the fact that in 2020, they're not good. Also... Um, part of the reason we know that the Saints have a better defense than the Lions and the Vikings is because of how badly the Saints and the Lions got brutalized. But who was it that did the brutalizing? The Lions defense was average against the Bears. The Lions defense graded out as a 38.7 against the Packers. Is that because the Lions defense is that bad or is it because the Packers just absolutely annihilated the Lions? 
the uh, Vikings' defense against the Colts was a 50.4, which is bad, but it was a 35.5 against the Packers. Funny, two defenses have graded out in the 30s when they play the Packers. Those lucky Packers. These teams' defenses just play so bad against them. It's weird, right? Yeah, maybe something like that. So I guess it would be correct to say that uh, the Saints' defense has performed better through two weeks than the Lions in two weeks and the Vikings in two weeks. But again, part of that is because the Vikings and the Lions have faced the Packers. The Saints have faced Tampa Bay and the Raiders. Tampa Bay right now is the 12th highest graded offense. The Raiders are 18th. The Packers are number one. Just saying. Anyways, why don't we take a break right here. Uh, We'll come back on the other side of this with a little bit more um, perspective. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Let's start off for a little breaky break with a refresher on one of the newest and best clothing lines available. It really does get me excited because when you think about wanting to go out and get premium clothing, I wouldn't even know where to start other than... Let's just go to the high price store and get high price clothing. But again, what is it about those clothes? You can drop 100 bucks on a shirt if you want, but is it just the designer, the company, the tag on the shirt? What actually makes it worth that amount of money? Well, with Iron Jock, it's clear. You're not paying for the logo, even though it's pretty sweet, or the design, even though it looks real good. I know you're not paying for the designer because I couldn't tell you the guy's name. What you're paying for is scientifically advanced materials. Not only is it incredibly comfortable, but they have their own proprietary silver ion technology that provides permanent odor protection for the lifetime of the fabric. It kills 99.9% of all bacteria and fungus caused by sweating, which I don't know, Little, I mean, they can't say it, but let me just throw this out there. I don't want to speak for them, so let me just give you a generality. Usually when you hear kills 99.999% of bacteria, it's because the actual number is 100, but they can't say 100. So let's just say the difference between 99.9 and 100 is not noticeable, and we'll leave it at that. And as I've mentioned, unlike other performance wear um, companies that do have silver ion, Iron Jock uses it in every single piece of their clothing, not just their t-shirts or whatever. Everything you buy from Iron Jock is going to have this high level of quality. And to make it even better, they have a a proprietary uh, fabric called Enduratech Plus. This has all the great wicking and fast-drying, breathable, anti-static, odor-eliminating properties as Enduratech, but is also 
100% water repellent. And you're getting this Enduratec Plus fabric on all their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jackets. So these hoodies that I'm going to be sending out, also water repellent. You're never going to get wet while you're out there running or playing golf, any of that. So please check out ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. If you want a closer look at their unique collection of apparel featuring silver ion technology, like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter at Ironjock. Also, and we are getting down to the wire here, mybookie.com is a great way to have some fun, make a little bit of extra money, and there's no better time than right now because the games start from where I'm sitting in about four hours. You got the Raiders who just beat the Saints coming in at six and a half point dogs. The red hot LA Rams are two point dogs. And the Packers still holding steady, getting plus three. Over under also sitting at 53. So they're looking at maybe a 23 to 30 kind of game. Yeah, maybe. I might inch toward the over on that one. But who knows? This could be the game in which defenses start to come alive. Maybe week three is when defenses wake up. I don't know. I'm just I'm just letting you know what's out there. And if anything strikes you as psychotic, mybookie.ag. But that's not all. They got anything and everything pertaining to this game. You can bet on the spread in the first half, the total in the first half, the first quarter, the Packers team total, the Saints team total, which by the way, the Green Bay Packers, they're saying the total is going to be 23 and a half. Let me say that again. MyBookie.ag right now is asking you, do you think they're going to score more or less than 23 and a half points? I mean, I don't know. But beside all that, let me just remind you of a couple little perks. If you go to mybookie.ag, take whatever extra money you may have for your own personal fun and enjoyment. Hopefully you have a little bit of a line item in your budget for that. You take whatever you want, you put it into mybookie. If you use promo code OVERTIME, they're going to double that deposit. If you've got 20 bucks in money you can play with, put it in there. We're going to give you 20 more. To make it even sweeter, and again, you got to hurry, you're going to take a screen grab of your new account in which you use promo code OVERTIME. Do me a little favor, by the way, when they ask for specifics, put podcast, put Packernet podcast. That's going to help them to know that I'm and my audience is awesome. If nothing else, you're going to send that screen grab over to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. When you do that, you're entered into a $500 giveaway. Zero reason on this planet you shouldn't be doing that. I don't want you to miss out on this great opportunity. Make sure you get in on it mybookie.ag right now. So let's go ahead and put a little bow on this thing. Not a pretty bow. It's kind of an ugly bow, but uh, let's put a bow on it. I'm not predicting the Packers necessarily win. I think they're the better team. That's the point I'm trying to make. And the fact of the matter is win, lose, or draw, I still think they're the better team. The Jaguars beat the Colts. The Colts are the better team. Washington beat Philly. I think Philadelphia is still the better team, although we'll see how well, you know, I don't know what's going on with those guys. The Raiders beat the Saints. I think the Saints are the better team. Stuff happens in football. There's so many variables, you never know what's going to happen. But I guess if we tie all this together, the point is, if the Packers win, embrace it. Because it's further evidence that this is a very good team, regardless of what everybody else says, what, regardless of what their, their thought process is, or if they want to blame it on Breeze or whatever. But if the Packers lose, also don't buy into the nonsense that you're going to hear, despite the fact that you want to, because everything in your being is angry and frustrated and disgusted, and I'm sure it's going to be because of bad play and bad drops and bad defense and bad, 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 bad. I get it. But you don't have to buy into it. You don't have to go to doom and gloom and despair. 
If you were to look at the Packers' schedule prior to this season and say, okay, let's say the unlikely event that the Packers do repeat and go 13-3, and circle the three teams they lose to, the Saints are going to be one of them. And still nobody actually thinks they're going to go 13-3. and Maybe at this point a lot of people are starting to think they might again, which is reasonable at this point. But really think about that for a moment. If, the pa- if I were to ask you right now, the Packers go 13-3, and tell me the three teams they lose to. You'd have to pick three teams that are better than the Saints if the Saints aren't going to be on that list. Who are the three teams that are better than the Saints? Not the Bears. I don't think the Titans. It's not the Panthers. It's not the Lions. It's not the Eagles. It's not the Bears. It doesn't seem to be the Colts. It's not the Jaguars. You got the 49ers. We'll put a big circle around that one. It's not the Vikings. It doesn't seem to be the Texans. It's not the Buccaneers. At least I don't think. I mean, the Saints beat the Bucs. Certainly not the Falcons. Who are the three? Probably, what, the Bucks, the 49ers, and the Saints? So at the end of the day, if they beat this team, you look at this schedule and you say, who do we lose to? Three in a row, red-hot team. Are we going to lose to the Falcons? Nothing is impossible. But the answer, logically, is no. Do we lose to the Bucks? There's no reason we should. Bucks' defense isn't as good as the Saints' defense. They don't have an Alvin Kamara on that team. They do have some really good wide receivers, but I don't think Brady's as good as Breeze is. Maybe he is. I don't know. But he's clearly not the same guy he was. Do we lose to the Texans? Horrific offensive line. No real number one wide receiver. Terrible defense. Deshaun Watson on an island by himself. Not even going to bring up the Vikings. That's a joke. 49ers, yeah, that's rough, man. We'll see who's who's still available. They don't have Bosa, who wrecked our world last time. Who knows if Garoppolo's going to go. And even if he is, everybody's talking about he's a bum, holding this whole team back. At least that's the narrative. And you want to talk about a head coach that's out for blood. Matt LaFleur gets this offense clicking like, you know, like he wasn't exactly able to do last year, but now this year it's really humming, and you got a banged-up, beat-up 49ers. I'm just saying. Jaguars, Colts, Bears, Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Titans, Bears. There's not a lot of losses on this schedule. So enjoy the game. Because if we lose to the Saints, it's still a very good team that is continuing to get better on defense, that has an offense that is dominant and is still very, very, very unlikely to miss the playoffs. If we beat this team, we're talking about best team in the NFC North, and the only real question right now, not not because we can't lose to somebody else, there's always a fluke loss that could be sitting anywhere around any corner, but the only game we need to circle on the schedule if we beat the Saints is the 49ers, and the question is, are we going to beat them? Are we going to put a, a final stamp on this? We are the best team in the NFC North. There is nobody else we're looking at for a Super Bowl contender, because we're almost right there already. Obviously, people are looking at the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs as the top teams, but I've already given my question marks about the uh, the Chiefs. I know they're a real good team, but the Packers' offense so far is better than the Chiefs' offense, and the Packers' defense has way more talent than the Chiefs' defense. It's not inconceivable to say a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl leans heavily in favor of the Packers. Ravens? Eh, I don't know about that. But we got a long way to go. But the point is, just relax. It's just one week. I want you to enjoy this game. I want you to embrace it. The biggest thing, we got to get these guys out of here healthy. We'll see what happens with Devontae. Hopefully he plays. I don't want him to push it. It's going to be real important we have him against the Falcons because the Falcons are coming out looking up, looking to put up some big numbers. And no doubt they will. So we need Devontae. We need him healthy and ready to go. Um, but I, again, just enjoy the game, man. It's going to be lots of fun. Get your gear on. Try your best to just relax. Packers are off to a real great start. And there's no real reason to believe that it's all coming to a screeching halt this week. And no matter what happens, the answer is no, they didn't just get exposed. Remember that. And I'm going to try to remember that too, so I don't get too doom and gloom when I come on here, if they happen to lose, which they shouldn't, because they are the better team. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. 
Again, planning on doing a uh, Patreon stream sometime today. I, uh, I will let you know more definitively, give you a heads up in the group or on one of the Facebook pages. If you want to get involved, you can jump in on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Meaning if you want to just do this month, one buck, you're in. Cancel it. I don't care. I can't stop you. But that's patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Otherwise, you folks have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.